evermore. Amen. And God's going to do great things in this service today. Brother Simeon Costa is a man who's had a great impact across the United States. He's had a great impact in this church a number of years ago. He was a big part of a thrust of revival that we experienced as he came and taught us and instructed us on evangelism and reaching the lost. He's a powerful man of God because he's made connection to God in prayer in ways that few people have through personal devotion and consecration. And as a result, God's power flows through this man. So I want you to stand to your feet right now and let's give honor to the man of God right now as he comes to deliver the word of the Lord. Thank you, Brother Costa, for being with us today. Thank you. God bless all of you. Um, it's good to be here. It is most definitely hot. It's great to be indoors. Um, but we're going to get right into the Word of God. Uh, we're going to go to Judges chapter 13. I think they have those verses for you. I'm going to just read verses 1 through 3 of Genesis 13. And then I'm going to highlight through the chapter and just read sketchily uh, through it. But I'd like to talk to you about some things today. And hopefully they will minister to you and you can take something from it. J- Judges chapter 13 and starting at verse 1. It says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren, and bare not. Verse 3, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman, and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive, and bear a son. You may be seated. What I'd like to do is just kind of highlight a few things here through this chapter. And then I'm going to really be focusing on chapter 14, verses 1 through 8. So um, that's where I'll be headed. But in Judges chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, we get an interesting setting for the coming of one of the greatest judges known in the Scripture. Now, for those of you that maybe don't know much about the book of Judges. The book of Judges is uh, covering a particular time in biblical history where God is dealing with His people in a particular way through distinct men um, called judges, meaning that they were used for a season, for a particular time, to draw Israel back to God. Because, uh, and the purpose for these judges, and the reason why they were even important, or needed was because Israel was during uh, kind of going through a time of backsliding they would they would begin to worship other gods they would begin to worship idols and the gods of the nations around them and then God would bring correction and there would be uh, punishment or judgment not to destroy them but to awaken them and cause them to come to themselves and realize that that they're doing wrong and that these other gods were not gods now at this stage this is again another time in which Israel is turning from God. And the story of Samson, uh, this is one of the judges. There's, there's others that you can read about throughout the book. But he's probably one of the most famous, if not the most famous, because he is considered to be the strongest man uh, known in Scripture. Now, I don't want to highlight the typical uh, things that we normally do when it comes to Samson. From you know, When we think about Samson, we think about him pushing down the pillars towards the end of his life and killing 
more in his death than in his life. And he was so incredibly strong. And he's carrying the gates of the cities on his shoulders and things of that nature. And I don't necessarily want to focus on that element of it as well as the Delilah and Samson connection about the the cutting of the hair and all that kind of thing and losing his strength. I want to kind of go back to his beginning. And what you see here at the beginning is that Israel has turned from God and God has turned them over to the Philistines. And you'll see this over and over and over again. And that, that right there is so odd to so many people that God would actually allow the Philistines to rule over his people. But when his people decide they want to li- do things their own way, they want to worship other gods, he, he's allowing them to do that. But at the same time, he is bringing an enemy to persecute and to bring trouble so that they at some point will come to their senses. Now, of course, that's, that is love. Love will let you do what you want to do many times and that you'll have to learn, out, learn the hard way that it, it doesn't work. Uh, love is not manipulating or controlling, but love will kind of let you sometimes go your own way until you realize it's not going to work. And in this case, God is allowing them to be in, uh, under the hand of the Philistines. Now, in verse, in verse 2, something else we can take from this Samson character is that Samson comes from a barren situation. Now, I, I can't tell you how many times throughout the Scripture you'll read this. Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was barren and God touches her womb. Isaac, that is born of Sarah, marries Rebekah, and Rebekah is barren, and God touches her womb. And there is uh, Jacob and Esau. And then Jacob marries Rachel, and Rachel is barren, and God touches her womb. And, and so on and so forth. And here we see another one of those situations, is that, is that uh, his parents can't have children, and so it is, uh, Samson is born out of a barren situation. Uh, a, a, a situation in which there was no life, a dead womb. Uh, if you go on in verse, in verse 3 and you just begin to kind of read through this chapter, you'll find out that the angel of the Lord comes to his parents and says, um, guess what? She's not going to remain barren, but uh, God is going to breathe life into her womb and she's going to have a son. She's going to have a child. Now I want to skip kind of quickly through this. Uh, because in verses 4, 8, and 13, if you're taking notes, you can co- read this on your own. Uh, this is where the Nazarite vow is talked about. Now, I always believed that the Nazarite vow included certain things for Samson to do. And, and just from my study, uh, the majority of the responsibility of no wine or strong drink or eating anything unclean was, in fact, given to the mother. And the only thing that Samson was not supposed to do was he was not supposed to cut his hair. Now, what's interesting about that is that the parents had a very key role in the development of this child. The angel appeared to the parents and says, you're going to have to be careful how you raise him because there's something powerful about him. There's a God call in his life, and so you're going to have to be careful. And so we have parents in here, and the kids have went that way. And so it's important for us to understand the role, and I'm not a parent. I would like to be at some point, but the role that a parent plays, I have parents, uh, in the in the in the life of a child, and you are just as much a part of your child's development spiritually, and the connection to their destiny and the role that God plays in their life is very much connected to you. 
This is not something that you say, okay, church, okay, pastor, once a week you do your thing. Well, my child is struggling. How come they're struggling? Well, what are you doing with them the other six days of the week? And so that's important for you to understand is that God has placed the responsibility on you as a parent who holds the majority of the responsibility to train up that child and to notice the, notice the consecration God put on her that God did not put on Samson. He says, you can't drink any, any, any wine uh, to Manoah's wife. We don't even have her name, I don't think. You can't drink any strong drink and you can't eat anything unclean. All of that was given to her. His job was just don't cut his hair. And so this is very interesting that, that, that God is, there's a lot going on before this Samson comes on the scene. A lot going on. Now, if you'll, if you'll look in, those, in this passage, you'll also see a, a very concerned father. His name is Manoah. And, and get to know this guy because this guy is so desperate to do the will of God and do the right thing that he's, he, he wasn't there. He missed out when the angel came to talk to his wife. And so he's like, when, when is the angel going to come back again? Because I need to know what's going on. You, you look at this dad. I mean, he is like wanting to be on top of everything. And he's asking the angel all these questions. Okay, so, so what do we do here? And how do we do this? And he's very, very much inquisitive as to uh, how to raise this important child. Because when you have wanted something for so long, and maybe this relates to you, maybe this doesn't. But if there's something you've been thinking about that you've wanted for so long, and what if you were to get it today? You would treasure it. You would cherish it, hopefully. And that's why uh, when you invest in something financially, many times you take care of it a whole lot more than when somebody just gives it to you free. Uh, when, when you have to suffer a little bit to go through something to finally get the thing that you've always wanted, you tend to respect it a little bit more when everything is just handed to you. And so Manoah's freaking out. I'm about to have a son. I'm about to have everything that I've ever wanted. And, and this means so much more to them than it does to us. Because in this culture, to have a son was everything. It was everything. It was, uh, you know, and, and even for the, the, the mother, it was everything to be able to produce an heir for her husband. It wasn't like now where, where the value of a woman is, is only depend, used to be only dependent on, especially in this time, the ability to produce an heir for your husband. Now that's not like that. Culture is not like that. You can go get a job. You can have a career. You, there's adoption. There's all different ways that you can do this. But at this time, this was it. And so this was everything to them. So when he dies and passes off the scene, his name will continue generations and generations upon generations. And this mean, meant everything to him, so he valued it. And so there's a lot going on here. Now, if you look at verses 19 through 20 as you're studying, you'll see that the angel manifests again, visits Manoah, tells him what's going to happen, and does a really cool trick by uh, disappearing in fire, which is amazing. You go through the passage, and you realize that, that he is sharing some things with them, and then he does this miraculous event, and you'll read in the passage that God visited no more Manoah and his wife. Now, this is interesting. Because it was the one and only time that God visited them, gave them a promise, told them what was going to happen, and never visits them again. Now, I guarantee you, and I'm just going to speak for myself, in our culture, that doesn't do well. Because, because you know, we have to hear it 
time and time and time again and we need our back rubbed and we need to be encouraged and we weep a lot and we need a phone call and we need a text and we need to go to a conference and we need to read that book and right but i mean this, these are tough people folks i mean i'm not saying we're going to be this way but we can take something from them in that all they had was one word from god that was it just one and it was enough to last them a lifetime and what is he trying to say i don't need to come through and baby you every five minutes because i gave you a word and once I give you a word, I've given you the power to live out that word. I've given you everything you need to see that come to pass. Oh, we can learn something from that today. We need a constant confirmation all the time. Instead of remembering that day when God spoke to you and said he was going to do what he said he was going to do and stand on that word. Look at your neighbor and say, stand on that word. My Lord. These people, that's all they had. And, and so what is interesting is that, is that God finally manifests and does a miracle. Now, I want to I read this to you, the last verse. Let's look at that, the last verse of chapter 13. Uh, well, let's look at actually verse 24 and 25 of chapter 13. It says this, And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. So guess what? We didn't just read that God made a promise. We read that God fulfilled the promise. Now, let's continue to read. And the Spirit, verse 25, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtol. Now, this is, this is interesting to me. This is interesting to me because God is beginning to stir up the gift that is in him. But that's all it says. It simply says the spirit begins to move him at times. We don't have a a description of that. We don't have a lot of detail of that. But we do know that God is beginning to move. Anybody ever felt that God begins to move on you at times? Now what I mean by that is very different than what we're going to get into But what I mean by that is, is there's a stirring in your soul. You could be driving and all of a sudden tears come to your eyes because you feel the Spirit of God moving on you. You're not necessarily hearing some word from heaven. You're not necessarily seeing a miracle. But you're starting to feel God's presence move you. Uh, God is, it just, you begin to cry, pray, talk and talk to God, speaking in tongues, praying, whatever it is, you're just moving with the Spirit, right? But there's no clear definition as to what's going on. You just know His Spirit is moving. Now, let me just say this. There's a lot that has been building up to this moment. A lot. Look at the spiritual condition of his, of his nation. Think about this. Samson is not the sum total of his thoughts and actions. I know, and it's arrogant of us, that when we come on the scene and we're born and we're raised up and we go to school and we do what we do, we really do begin to think that it's all about us and we're all that in a bag of chips. We don't realize there's a lot, there's, there's parents, there's grandparents. We don't realize who held us and fed us. Uh, right? You understand what I'm saying? There, there's a lot of history that happened before you came on the scene. And that's why it's so important to respect elders and people in your life. My grandmother, my grandmother, I miss her so much. She, she raised me for a good 14 years of my life. 
I, 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 you know, it, some people say it takes a village to, to raise somebody. I, I, I'm not going to go that far. I'm just going to say there's a lot of people involved in your development. You didn't get here on your own. I know you might think that. Well, I'm self-made. <laughs> Hold on. You know, somebody, I know, I know that there's people here that, and, and other people that have really been the, the major force in your life. But I'm going to tell you something. Somebody helped you somewhere. Somebody put a meal in your mouth somewhere. Somebody gave you a dollar or two somewhere. And there's a lot that's going on in Samson's development. Think about this. When he steps on the scene, his nation is spiritually in decline. When he steps on the scene, his country has been, has been invaded by a foreign power. Okay? There's a lot going on. Let's jump to chapter 14 and verse 1, and let's kind of start to really focus on where we're, where we're going today. Sam, uh, Samson, in chapter 14 and verse 1, says this, And Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, now folks, I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to read a couple verses to you, and, and some of this is going to blow your mind a little bit because you might hear something you haven't heard before. Okay? Verse 2, And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. Stop. Now, let me just tell you something. This is where we have a problem with Samson. He's got a big label across his forehead for so many people. And it has to do with women. Right? I can see in the Delilah scenario... And in another one, but, but just hold on here for a minute. Now, let me, let, let's also understand the, the political, uh, religious context of this. Think about this. Mom and dad, for years, wanted kids, couldn't have kids, prayed, sought God. God says, here it is. Here's the answer. And that little miracle baby that popped out of that womb is now looking back to daddy and mommy and say, go give me one of those uncircumcised, unbelieving, polytheist, pagan daughters. Now you tell me how mom and dad's supposed to feel about that. You, I'm going to tell you right now, you, you know, they were like, God, okay, what's, what's happening here? I raised him right. Anybody, any parents understand what I'm saying? I raised her right. I prayed. I took her to church. We had Bible reading before bed. Huh? That's what's going on here. You know, this is not a good thing. You, they, the Philistines were pagans. The Philistines were not, in, were not in covenant relationship with God. They were not circumcised. And he wanted to marry one of them. He wanted to go to the dark side. Verse 3. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never... What? Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines. These parents are upset. You're always picking chicks, man, that don't, they're not of Israel. What's wrong with you? You're going to find out. You're going to find out. And Samson said unto his father, he doesn't say, well, let, let me break it down for you, dad. So he says, get her for me. She pleases me. And that's it. Next verse. We haven't thought about this verse, have we? Let's look at it. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord. That he sought an occasion 
against the Philistines. That means all the other girls he was going after, he was doing it with the motive to get on the inside. He had a plan, an occasion. He wanted somehow to cause a rift and have a reason to get in there and cause trouble. God was behind the whole thing. (laughs) That's interesting to me. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. He is looking for a way to break the strongholds of the Philistines over his people. Can you imagine what that is like to to wake up in your own country and have tanks from another country in your country telling you when to go to bed and when to when to when to do this and when to do that? It's not even your own land anymore. He's looking for an opportunity to get them out. You got to understand, he is not the sum total of all of his actions and thoughts. There's a lot going on here. But before we get to verse 5, it's important to understand that in addition to his nation being invaded by a foreign power, in, in addition to them not being right with God, he's also got the pain of a mother and father that longed to have a child. And God came through. They couldn't physically have a child. Barrenness in that culture was a shame. It was not looked upon in, in, a, in a good light. That means his, Manoah's wife would have been mocked and possibly ridiculed. And then there's a divine visitation. This is before Samson is born. This is all before Samson is born. A divine visitation of an angel. The vow, the famous vow comes into play and, and, and the command goes forth. The dedication that, must have, that they must have had, the mom and dad, in order to raise this child right. The consecration, the watchful eye, the details, the steps, the right steps they had to take. Everything leading up to this child coming into the world and being raised properly. And then Samson is born. And Samson brings joy to his parents. Whether or not realizes it, Israel realizes it, this is their hope in this man there's so much that's gone into this arrival and all of a sudden what is interesting all we have up to this point is a is one verse that says the spirit of god moved on samson in the camp of dan at times that's it but something interesting happens now let me just say this before i go any further if we were to go back and track your history And kind of ask and look, what happened to lead up to your spiritual birth? The miracle of your spiritual birth. What all happened in your life to get you to where you are sitting in this place today? It would be an amazing story. The deaths, the pain, the loss, the the suffering, the financial issues, the brokenness. Issues with your children, issues with a spouse. Maybe you, you, you had someone cheat on you. I don't know what it is. You've, you've gone through an incredible spiritual journey. And all of a sudden, there was a God birth, a beginning of the miraculous in your life. But you are not right now sitting, somebody looking at you, thinking you are the sum total of what they see every Sunday. They don't know you. That's why it's ignorant to judge people from the outward appearance and to judge people based on certain things that you see. You don't know what that person has been through. You don't understand the God steps. Everything God has been doing step by step to bring them where they are here today. 
We don't understand the sleepless nights, the painful moments, the dark nights on the bed when they wept, and we think we just somehow brought God into your life. I didn't bring God into your life. I, maybe I'll bring a peace, but you've been through a whole lot more than I can ever even imagine or think. But God has had a plan and a destiny for your life before you ever walked in here and before I ever met you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is power on the inside of you that you don't even realize yet. Look at your neighbor and say there's power inside of you. Because God has had a hand in every step that has led up to this Sunday. You're not promised tomorrow, folks. Right now is it. So hear me that from the moment you came into the world until right now, everything I'm saying to you, is extremely significant. Look at all of that. Maybe you're 20. Maybe you're 30. Maybe you're 40. Maybe you're 50. Maybe you're 60. Whatever it is. There's a lot that's went on. But let me tell you something. Even though there was a lot that went into Samson's life. Samson. Something happens in verse 5. That is interesting. It says, Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnah. Looks like they're being dragged along. Probably don't want to go. And came to the vineyards of Timnah. Got to go see this woman he wants. And behold, a young lion roared against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he rent him. As he would have rent a kid or a goat, not a not a kid, a goat. <clears throat> and he and he had nothing in his hand, nothing in his hand. But he told not his father or his mother what he had done. They didn't know. This is interesting to me. The sum total. Can you imagine what it was like that day? When all of a sudden, now I know, I know, ladies would love for Samson to have been buffed and chiseled and a 12-pack, right? I understand, but maybe you don't. You don't want to admit it right now, but I'm just telling you. I understand, right? I personally believe that the whole myth of Hercules is based on Samson. We could talk about that later. But I think there's a lot of biblical characters that have spawned a lot of myths that they want to now discredit the Bible to say, you know, everything's so mythic. But in reality, I think Samson is this incredible hero, right? But I don't think he was buffed, which is that means there's hope for people like myself and some of you. Thank God. Most of you here. I see a couple of you I don't want to mess with, so I'm just going to not look at you. Um, but I don't believe he was buffed. Because I think if he was extremely crazy buffed, that means we would have a history of his strength manifest prior to, so this lion occasion and story wouldn't really have any significance. You've got to understand, you've got to understand something, people. What really causes the power of something to be fully understood is when the impossible is connected to it. You understand what I'm saying? This is when miracles are needed. Miracles are not needed when you can go actually get up and get a job and, and, and make phone calls and do what you need to do. You don't need a miracle. 
Now, if you've done all that and you've knocked doors and you've put in resumes and you've done all that kind of thing, then, then obviously you need a miracle. You've done what you can do. But when you haven't done what you can do, right, the, the issue is, is when you have tried everything in your power and ability, that's when a miracle is needed. That's why it's called a miracle. Is because a miracle is when you've run out of options, you've come to the end of your rope, you have hit a brick wall, you have no strength and ability in yourself, and that's when a miracle takes place because that means divine provision has just been made manifest in your life. This is what we're talking about when we say miracle. So I don't believe he was buffed and chiseled and everybody's like, yeah, I mean, he's the strongest one at, you know, at, at the, in the clan. No! Matter of fact, he probably looked very common. Because why? Now, just side note, commercial, is this. Because when God does what he does, then he gets all the glory, he gets all the praise, he gets all the honor, and that's what you and I should be doing, which is it's all about him. And that's why you need to have a testimony in your spirit because you can say, it's not me. It's not my strength. It's not my ability. I'm not here today because I'm good. I'm smart. I'm intelligent. It's because of him. Right? I don't believe he killed that lion because he was like this. Now, if you want to understand how, how tough it would be to kill a young lion, I'm sure there's a zoo around here. Just jump over the gate and go at it. See if you can do it. I know, I know strong men that can't handle a pit bull. You think you're going to handle a lion? Right? So think about this. All this pain, all this suffering, all this issues with the nation and, and, and the Philistines and all of this stuff going on leading up to this moment. And, he, and, and here's the interesting thing about this lion. The lion unlocks the secret. Samson never had an opportunity to be Samson, the Samson we know about, until this moment. You're reading about the first encounter that Samson has with his God-given destiny. Now, tell me, let's walk through this real quick. I guarantee you that first time, that's scary. Oh, man, I felt God move on me at times, but there's a whole nother story right here. It's a whole different story when you're sitting in your room drawing up plans of what you feel God's called you to do. It's another thing to be right in the middle of it. Oh, it's great to talk to your friends and sit around the table and eat. You got great food. And it's like, man, I think it should be done this way. And I think that if we did this, this would be amazing. And all of a sudden, in real life, like in real time, you're facing what you need to do to see it done. And it's like, uh-oh, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be this way. Listen, folks, listen to this. He has never had a chance to flex his spiritual destiny until the lion. He has not he did not have the ability to see the God destiny in him until he had teeth and claws and something that was intent upon killing him. 
Oh, no, no, Simeon, you, you got to be wrong. I mean, the way to really get my power and my destiny, the power God's given me, the anointing he's called me to walk in, is for me to go up to a mountaintop at camp time, and we all going to pray and have three meals a day, and I'm going to sleep in the camp bed, you know, in the bed and, and bunk bed, and we're going to go pray some more and preach. That's when the power is going to be released. Really? How many camps have you been to? How many books have you read? How many more conferences you got to go to? Let me tell you something. The people that you look up to, the people that you go, why does that guy have something I want? Because he faced a lion at some point in his life. It was no more talk. It was no more theory. It was no more books. It was no more games. It was me and the teeth. It's either me or him. And that's the only way. I know that doesn't sound exciting, but let me tell you something. As someone who has faced a lion and come on the other side of that lion, the more lions I face now, there's an expectation of victory. Some of us haven't got on the field yet. What am I supposed to Can I tell you what is the biggest thing plaguing us? We don't know who we are. The biggest thing that is plaguing you and I is you haven't got a revelation of your destiny. And what that means is you have not seen the God stuff in you released. You have not seen the thing that all those prayers and fasting that people have done for you, all the things that you've been through, every time you come close to facing that lion-type situation, you tuck tail and run, and you don't face that thing. And that's why the power of God, the power of God is only going to be activated when He's in a situation where you desperately need Him to perform and do what He only, only He can do. So I say today, bring on the lion. I'm tired of running and going back to the tent. I'm tired of running and talking about what I will want to do someday. I've got to face. And you know what it is. I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. We're going to, get, we're going to close this down real quick. We're going to get the musicians up in a moment. You're going to go eat your lunch. Well, how many Sundays have you went and ate your lunch? And while you're putting that food in your gullet, your trap door, you're sitting there going, there's something missing. I just went to church. I just sang the songs. I did everything that I'm supposed to do as a good Christian, which is that's what we equal to Christianity in, in America seems like is what church you go to and do you go regularly. But you're going to wake up one day and realize that's not what it's all about. You're going to realize that church and all of that is a large part of your relationship with God and what God is going to do as a movement. But I'm going to tell you something. You live your life with you six days out of that week. And the moment that you begin to finally know God for yourself and see him for yourself, and see the God things that he's put in you for yourself. 
Because I'm going to tell you something. If you ever see what's inside that he's put in you, if it ever comes out and you see the miraculous and you see the supernatural and you see what he wants to do and you, and you hear his voice and you receive revelation from his word and you're blessing other people's lives and you see all of this God stuff start to happen, you can never go back to just dwelling in a tent and accepting the fact that the Philistines are here and I guess they always will be and this is just the way you can't do it. Once you see a blinded eyes open, you can't go back. Once you see someone filled with the Spirit, you can't go back. Once you see your lost loved one come to God and get baptized, you can't go back. There's something eating away on the inside of you every single day that says, I want to see that again. I want to see God's power again. And all of a sudden when you pray that, then a lion comes in your life and you say, oh no. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we want it easy. But greatness doesn't come from easy. Easy is the enemy of great. You think anybody that's ever been successful in life, has it been easy? You don't even want me to go through my story. I don't, you don't got time for that. But I guarantee you, other people have a story here. And the, and the enemy... Of greatness is easy. Anybody want to be successful in business? You know it's going to be tough. You better just lock in seven days a week, 24-7. And we know that on a business scale and according to the business model. But when it comes to God, it's like, hey, listen, I checked in on Sunday. I did my thing. I looked sharp. I even had a tie and the preacher didn't. Right? But you're going to understand that greatness is that lion staring you down. Because what you and I don't understand is the secret of the lion is this the lion unlocked the anointing in Samson that never went away. The moment that he's pushing down the pillars, he has the lion to thank for that. But let me tell you, when you go through the lion scenario, there's something incredible that happens. Look at your neighbor and say momentum. Momentum starts to build. The people that never actually face anything and go through something and with everything you have, fight and do what God has called you to do and take steps of faith and take the risks. Those people, when they finally see the power of God manifest in victory, that you start to build momentum and the next situation, the gates, you rip those gates and you take them on your shoulders and you carry them to the top of a mountain and whatever you begin to face, you have the victory. David said this to Saul. He said, what are you talking about this uncircumcised Philistine? Do you think, see, this is what Saul was doing. He was judging David by the sum total of everything he knew about him up to that point. But he didn't understand that on the backside of that hill, while he was playing that harp, one day a lion came to him and he ripped him apart with his bare hands. And another day a, a bear came to him and he ripped him apart with his bare hands. And he said to that king, what are you talking about? What you talking about, Willis? That may be past some of you. But what you talking about? What are you saying here? Are you saying that this giant is too big for my God? It's too late. I've seen him take down the lion and the bear. It's too late. It's too late. Bring it on. 
Some of you are saying, man, I'm tired. I'm weary. You don't know what I'm going through. I know. I'm right there with you. Don't think I'm preaching this message today because I'm on the mountaintop. I'm fighting a lion myself. But I'm fighting. I'm scratching. I'm clawing. I'm biting. I'm kicking that idiot in the head. He's got me, but i got my legs wrapped around him like UFC. I got him in full guard. And I'm like, what? Ah. I'm like, what? Pa, what's up? I'm on a George St. Pierre him. Wait, he got beat. I'm Johnny Hendricks him. Whatever. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. I'm a John Jones. Tear him up. Anderson Silva, rip him up. Oh, he got beat too. i tear him up. Some of you got to get a little grit inside of you. Some of you are too comfortable. The only way that Samson had the strength, musicians, you can come. The only way Samson had the strength to push down the pillars was one day he had had all that, all that prayer invested in him. His mama's prayers, not like a mama, right? Like a mama's prayers. He had a loving dad, nothing like a loving dad, right? Praying, covering him in prayer, thinking about what he was going to do. God sending an angel to like confirm all this. You don't even know what God's been doing in your life. All you think is I'm right here and I'm by myself and I'm suffering and you don't realize all the things God's been doing, all the things God's been saying, all the little pieces of the puzzle he's been trying to put together for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But he stands there and he's got these pillars. He's blind. All the enemies around him. Pretty humiliating. But all of a sudden, that power starts flowing through him again. And he pushes down these pillars and kills more in his death than in his life because one day he had an encounter with a lion that although it's painful and scary and nobody wants to go through that kind of horrific situation, but it was that lion that unlocked power in him that he didn't know existed unless he went through that. You're saying, God, why did you allow me to go through that? Honey, you had to go through that. You're saying, I lost my family, I lost my relative, I, this happened. Baby, you had to go through that. Because as long as you're safe in that little cocoon, in that little comfort zone, that power on the inside of you never is able to come out. Power is released by pain. And there he is on the cross. The greatest victory of all time. The devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And that lion did not know what he was getting into when he came up against Jesus. He's like, all right, do your worst. Come on. Spikes through his wrists, through his feet. I got you now. Thank you for that, Satan. Good job. Awesome job. Man, you're great. In that, the Bible says that the princes of this world knew. They never, they never crucified him. Let me tell you, the power was unlocked at the cross. 
The power was unlocked as the spikes were going through his wrists. When's this great salvation supposed to be wrought for all mankind? There it is. Oh, no, no, no. I thought it was when he was raising up Lazarus. Wasn't that when all of a sudden all of humanity was going to be saved? No. While he's bleeding, while he's dying, crown of thorns in his head, spikes through his wrist and his feet, and the power of his destiny to save the world was unlocked when the lion tried to kill him. God's trying to do something to you. And instead of cursing God, instead of being angry, start thanking Him for the lion, for the painful process that is unlocking something in you so He can be made manifest. Lord, we thank You for today. Hallelujah. God, we thank You. You know how to pray, people. Something on the inside of you wants to reach out to God. And maybe you're here today and you're not used to praying. Just just start thinking about Him. Maybe just say His name, Jesus. I think someone said that today. If you can't say anything else, just say Jesus. Let those tears roll down your cheeks. Open your heart up to God and just allow yourself to connect with Him. Lord, we thank You today for what You're doing. Even though we don't understand it, God, thank You. Thank you for the lion. We'll turn this over to your pastor. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Before I turn this over to Brother Costa, God spoke a word to me while I was sitting there. And, uh, was absolutely confirmed by what he said. In my life, probably in your life as well, you've reached a point where you face opposition from within or without. It may be an enemy, it may be a family member. And you feel the pain and the pressure of the opposition. And the problem is, is then all we begin to do is just focus on that and forget about the promise we feel like, well, this is going to destroy me. It's going to destroy you. God already said that he's going to do this over here. God already promised you. So how can this right here destroy you? Some of you need to remember the promise that God spoke over your life. Some of you need to remember some of the words that God spoke to you. Whatever it is you're facing, whether it's a financial situation, whether it's an enemy that's hunting you and tracking you down, understand, I didn't get this revelation. This is a revelation Brother Costa just declared. Not only is it not going to destroy you, but it's going to unlock greatness in your life. It's going to unlock God's purpose in your life. On the other side of it. 
God have mercy. On the other side of it, you're not going to be destroyed. You're going to be empowered right now. So I want somebody, amen, to embrace what God's doing in your life. Even if you don't understand it. Even if it makes you mad. Even if it makes you feel like quitting. Even if it makes you feel like giving up. Understand, God is at work in my life. Let's stand to our feet right now. feel in the spirit. God wants to take fear out and replace it with courage right now. Fear is false evidence appearing real, right? False evidence appearing real. This is going to take you down. This is going to destroy you. This is going to ruin your reputation. This is going to make a mess of your future. This is going to make a mess of your life. You're going to be dealing with the repercussions of this for three years to come. False evidence appearing real. I want you to understand that you're not going to defeat this, but God through you is going to defeat this. And somebody needs to buck up right now. Somebody needs to put your chest out. Somebody needs to square your jaw and realize greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And no weapon. Hallelujah. I want us to come come forward right now because the Spirit of God is going to impart in this place. There's an anointing that's going to flow. If you're a guest, if you're a friend of ours, if you're a member, if you've come a number of times, I want us all to come together right now because the Spirit of the Lord is going to impart here right now. We've heard the Word of the Lord and God's ministered to our mind. Revelation began to dawn on us. Faith began to reappear. Fear and intimidation and concern begin to move out of our life right now. I want you to understand that as a church, as a church, we talked about individuals, but as a church, in order to get where God wants us to be, we've got to face some lions along the way. We've got to see some miraculous victories along the way. If we think it's going to be easy, it's not going to be easy. Amen. There's going to be some times when the enemy's going to snarl. Amen. When he's going to turn at us and he's going to growl. But there's got to be some people of faith that say God has a plan. God's got promise over this church. God's spoken words of prophecy over this congregation. Amen. We're sticking together. We're believing God. Amen. And no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. And I feel the anointing here right now. I want you to lift up your hands right now because something's getting ready to flow into you that's going to take the revelation from your mind to your spirit right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would impress in the spirit of every individual here today the Word of God. God, you spoke over their life. You put destiny and vision in their spirit. We've shied away from challenges. We've sought the easy route. But in the name of Jesus, let your purpose be unfolded. Let your will be done. Here it comes right now. In the name of Jesus, lift up your hands and let it flow through you. Somebody lift your voice right now. 
Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Let it flow. This spake key of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. over and pray with somebody right now. Take them by the hand and place your hand on their shoulder. Find some people to pray with. Let's pray with one another right now. The Holy Ghost.
Hallelujah. Caleb, we heard, heard a word last week. Hallelujah. Jesus told the disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side. When they left, got about halfway there. Halfway there, a storm breaks out. And those of you that pray, just still moving storm began to rock the boat. Waves began to make them feel like they were going to perish. What are we going to, they're like, what are we going to do? But really resonated. The Bible says the winds were So where were the winds coming? Destiny. And they were fighting and there's going to be this sense of uh, tension, contention. Step into your destiny. Blow. And sometimes, amen, sometimes you just have to drop anchor and just stay there for a little bit. You feel like, well, I'm not making any progress. I'm not really moving forward right now. Since you are, because you're not backing down. Because if you decide to turn around and go back from where you came, the contrary winds will help you go back to where you came. You decide, well, I'm not going to fight this anymore. I'm going back. Those winds will help you <laughs> go back. Uh, but at times, sometimes in the middle of a storm and a battle, maybe it's in your home, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's uh, in your emotions and your feelings, sometimes you just have to stop for a minute uh, and say, I'm going to believe that the Lord Jesus is going to show up and he's going to help me through this battle. Amen. Ooh. We've got such a warped mentality sometimes. We think that uh, opposition is a sign we're doing the wrong thing. And a storm showed up, blowing from the direction that Jesus told them that they were going to go. And the storm will come, the winds will blow, the waves will beat, and it's going to look like it's going to sink your ship. But I'm challenging you, some of you right now, don't turn around, don't go back to where you started from, amen? But keep believing and keep pushing and understand that is this is all a part of God's process, uh, as Brother Godwin said last week, of making sure that we're approved and ready to go forward as a couple weeks ago. Amen. God is approving us today. In the name of the Lord, lift up your hands one more time. Hallelujah. Settle it in your spirit. I'm not going back. I'm not turning around. I'm not going to get a bad or a bitter spirit. I'm not going to get mad at God. I'm not going to get mad at my brothers and sisters. I'm not going to get mad at my spiritual leaders. I'm just going to, I'm just going to continue. Amen. I'm going to continue going the direction that God has called me in the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray a prayer of destiny over this congregation over the members of this body as individuals and over us as a group. In the name of Jesus, we're not going back to where we came from, Lord God, but we're going forward to revival. We're going forward to community impact. We're going forward, Lord Jesus, to souls being added to the church daily, such as should be saved. I pray in the name of the Lord, we're going forward to the supernatural. We're going forward to supernatural demonstration and power in our midst. In the name of the Lord, hallelujah, we're not afraid. Show us your glory. We're 
We're not afraid. Show us your glory. We're not afraid. Show us your glory. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your voice and give him a shout of praise right now. Hallelujah. He's worthy of your praise. Praise God. Amen. We have those that are still praying. I want us to respectfully uh, give them uh, space and privacy and quietness to continue talking to God. Amen. But uh, we're going to be dismissed at this time. If you find somebody, shake their hands. Just tell them. Just look at them. Give them one wink with your left eye and say, keep on going. Keep on going. Amen. Give them one wink with your left eye and say, keep on going. Come on. Keep on going. Keep your faith. Keep your faith in Jesus. Keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. Hallelujah. Keep on going.